What's up, guys? Welcome to Sketchbook Audio. I'm your host, Ryan Sketch. That's a little bit of Snoop Dogg for you and Dr. Dre. It's probably one of my favorite Snoop Dogg songs. Uh, but this isn't a show about music. This is a show about art and design. Um, however, I will say that uh, if you know anything about music and you know anything about particularly rap, um, fashion is a huge thing with them, right? Uh a lot of times new fashion trends happen because of music. Uh, just look at Lady Gaga um, or, or Jay-Z or uh, I, I guess you could say even um, some rock bands like, um, uh, well, just Kiss, for instance, we'll say. They kick off these fashion trends that, that tend to stick around um, for a bit anyways. And they drive a lot of culture, pop culture. And that's it's a good thing. I like the collaboration that happens between music, fashion, and then even automobiles. I mean, the rap industry pushes big exotic, um, fancy cars, uh, Bugattis, um, Aston Martin, Mercedes, Mybox, uh, things like that. So, you know, it, it's a very interesting uh, harmony that, no pun intended, um, that happens. Uh, between music, fashion, and uh, even the automotive industry. So it's definitely something to, think, something to consider when you are, uh, for instance, designing a car or designing a product, designing anything for fashion. Um, you know, not only who your market is, but who is or what is going to be sort of either the face of or the theme or the uh, inspiration behind whatever you're doing. Um, in fact, I was... Uh, I was doing a car design not too long ago. This will actually kick off um, one of my topics today, but uh, I was doing a car design um, about a year ago, and it's essentially a, a Dodge Magnum rebirth or redo, and I, I love the Magnum. I, I love Chargers and Challengers, but there was something about the Magnum it being a station wagon but not a station wagon that was super appealing to me because you had all the cargo capacity and I'll be, I'm just going to be frank with you. Uh, I'm a cargo kind of guy. I like knowing that my vehicle or my backpack or um, my phone has, or even my wallet has cargo capacity. And it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but um, the, to those who are actually designing vehicles and products that are for people who like having space for things, thank you. Um, and that was what I was aiming to do with this new Dodge Magnum. But realizing that station wagons themselves are kind of a dying breed, oddly enough, they've picked up in sales uh, over the past few months, probably because people are really into crossovers um, or, you know, for the people who aren't quite there with crossovers yet, but don't like a sedan or a coupe, have no use for a coupe. Um, so they, you know, they lean towards a station wagon and that's where Volvo succeeds. That's where, uh, well, Saab would have if they were still around here in the United States. Um, and that's where the Dodge Magnum could have uh, really, you know, been a bright star out there because there's not too many performance wagons here in the United States. Now, abroad in the UK and in Australia, absolutely, there's tons of them. You even got the Utes, the, the Ford, the Falcons. Um, GM had the Holden, 
the Commodore Utes. I think they sold them in uh, South Africa as well. Uh, a lot of so just in general British territory, but uh, they had a, a large affinity towards station wagons and Utes, as they called them. So, and I think even GM called it the Ute. Anyways, uh, so I really wanted to bring the Magnum into not only this uh, this decade or this time period, but I wanted it to make sense to um, a select few buyers. Because let's face it, SRT vehicles in general and performance vehicles are sort of a niche car, right? Not only does it take a special somebody to want a performance wagon, but it also takes somebody who really wants performance, period. And the average American doesn't really care about performance, especially millennials now. Um, statistically, well, let's put it this way. Statistics have gone both ways, depending on whose statistics you're reading. Uh, one side says that millennials don't give a shit about what kind of car they drive. They just want to go from point A to point B safely and carry their stuff. The other statistics say that, uh, you know, they do care, um, but you know, it's to a certain extent, you know, they, they wanted to have the technology, they wanted to have the space, they wanted to go outdoors and be versatile, or they wanted to be clean. And those are all very important things. Uh, so I had to think about that when I was doing this wagon. And um, what I actually focused on, though, was I wanted this wagon to appeal to um, the rock and roll crowd. Uh, I wanted it to be in, actually, one of my inspirations was John Varvatos. And John Varvatos uh, is a fashion designer here in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I believe he went to the College for Creative Studies a little while ago. But um, his store downtown Detroit is just absolutely phenomenal. If you're a rock and roll fan um, and, you A, you don't know who John Varvatos is, you need to Google him right now. And, B, um, let's just say you're going to have to have deep pockets to go in there and buy anything uh, I was just obsessed with a lot of his um, design theory. So I went to the store and I said, you know what? I don't even care. It's my birthday. Uh, and I just got paid. So I'm going to buy something. And I walked out with a hoodie that normally costs like $300 and I got it for a hundred. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, but uh, yeah, his, his style is great. And if you're a rock and roll fan, you will love it. I mean, he's got... It's kind of like a hard rock cafe, but for fashion, it's really cool. So definitely go down there if you if you're in Detroit. Um, even if you just look at the outside of the store, it's it's totally one off. It's it's sweet. So I highly recommended that. But that was where I wanted my Magnum to go, and I wanted it to have the features that would really appeal to somebody who was either a solo artist or in a band. Um, so if you know anything about being in a band, you want you know that uh, there's a lot of music equipment that's involved. Um, guitars, drums, keyboards, uh, mixers, etc. Or even if you're just a DJ and that's all you have, our, our turntables, mixers, um, waveboards, soundboards, anything like that, mic, um, and your laptop, you want a place to put all that stuff and you want it to go in there safely. But then on the outside, you want, uh, you want it to look unique. You want it to be you, an extension of you. And just as unique as artists are, you know, in the music industry, you know, so should their car. And that was really where I was going with it. A lot of customization um, from the wheels to the, the roof rails just being different colors um, to the trunk cargo uh, capacity. 
if you could get uh, one model that was geared towards musicians, another one that was geared towards like technical people, um, people in the automotive industry who, who work on cars, or uh, a tour towards artists who are you know more traditional artists, painters, uh, stuff like that. And you know, that's where I was going with the Magnum, and I really liked it. But uh, where I was going with this was um, two things. One, allpar.com. Uh, is suggesting, based on inside sources, that the Dodge Magnum might actually get a second life. Whether it would be called a Magnum or not, probably not. You know, none of that is known. But the 300 could be replaced by one. And why not, right? If we're all headed towards crossovers anyways, um, and wagon sales are picking up a little bit, uh, you know, Dodge already has its its performance cars, Um could the Magnum come back as a Dodge and, and still sell well? I think so. Uh, really, the only thing that the Magnum was lacking at its time was um, fuel efficiency. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of vehicles that Chrysler made, uh, along with some other car companies, um, they started to fail miserably because gas spiked at five dollars, and the Dodge Magnum. Let's put it, you know, let's be blunt about it. It got like 18 and 22 miles per gallon. That's not good. And then it was probably even worse. And that was with a 3.5 liter V6. It probably got even worse when you got up to the, um, the 5.7 liter Hemi, uh, or did they make a six one for that? I don't remember, but you know, they had an SRT and that just no SRT gets good gas mileage. Um, they, they even had a 2.7 liter that was there to be the entry level and super fuel efficient. And I think it peaked at 25 miles per gallon. Still not great. Not horrible, I guess, for its size and its weight, but it, it was a dog. It was slow. So, you know, the 3.6 would be a, a much better engine for it now, given that it's got anywhere from 283 horsepower to 310 horsepower, depending on the application. Um, and, you know, with more modern transmissions, it could probably do pretty well. But I think Chrysler would do the best with that vehicle, not only because it's got all the, the cargo capacity, um, but it has room for a hybrid powertrain or an all-electric powertrain. And you wouldn't have to sacrifice a lot of that cargo space that you're so desperately wanting in a crossover or a wagon. So I, I'm excited to see what actually comes of that. Um, a lot of vehicles have... You know, we hear about things and then they just shoot them down based on, you know, the way the market's going or the way uh, fuel economy is. So I'd like your guys' opinion on wagons. What do you think? Um, I'm probably going to shoot up some. I got to find some pictures of it uh, or of them. But my top 10 favorite wagons, I'm going to put them up on Instagram, sketchbook underscore audio. And let me know what you think. Would you guys like to see more wagons? Um, you know, and let's let's consider shooting brakes. Uh, longer hatchbacks, um, true station wagons like the Volvo V90 cross country, or, um, you know, God, God, man, let's bring it over here. The uh, Audi RS6 Avant, please. Oh, Audi's been talking about that for so long. Having that in the States would be a dream come true. Um, you know, what if we just lifted them, right? You know, they're not a true crossover, but or a station wagon that's been lifted, and you get that Audi all-road. You get the the Volkswagen Jetta uh, Cross, whatever the hell it's called. And um, there's you know there's a couple other vehicles. The Magnum could have easily been lifted. Mine, my concept version was a lifted one. Uh, I, I wanted the extra cargo capacity with a um, 
better center of gravity and I wanted the hybrid powertrain. So yeah, um, wagons, they're a thing and I love them. Um, contrary to the beliefs of most people, they are pretty cool vehicles. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is a brief one, um, BMW just showed pictures of the X3 and the X4M. And <laughs> the reason I wanted to mention these is because I, I freaking love them. I am obsessed with two things. One, performance crossovers. And two, uh, that sedan slash SUV look. And I know a lot of people just don't like it. It's, it's very fat and clunky. But let's take the Mercedes GLE and the GLC coupes, um, the BMW X4 and uh, 6. Um, the, uh, gosh, Audi is coming out with a Q4, uh, as well as, uh, I think they have a Q2. Um, there's a lot of cars that are like that. And then even Fiat is announcing one that could go to Brazil, and it's based off of the uh, Fiat, uh, what is it called, um, Fastback concept. Oh, I think it's gorgeous. It's, it's very big and bulky and fat, but there's a lot of design aesthetic to it. Uh, there's some, it, it's overstyled in some spots for sure, but I'd like to get you guys' impressions on those cars. So I'm going to post those up as well in a separate post. Um, I don't know what to call them. Other, you know, they call them coupes now, and I think that's ridiculous. Who are we kidding? Coop, I'm pretty sure it means two doors in French. Uh, so, you know, and sedan is four door. Why do we have to confuse things? So you have these crossover coupes, whatever you want to call them. Um, they have a fast back design, so I get that. They're very coupe-esque, but they still have four doors. Uh, but they have the practicality and the functionality that a crossover or an SUV would give you. So um, two of my favorite type of vehicles, and I hope you guys like them as much as I do. However, if you don't, get off my show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is a room for everybody to enjoy what they enjoy, and I have nothing to say about it. I just want to know why. Why do you why do you like something or dislike something? Speaking of liking something so much um, that I think needs to be here in the States, uh, the GT86, this was on autoblock.com, GT86, British Green Limited. Can, can I get an amen, please, somebody? British Racing Green, GT86. First of all, they don't really make any sense. Um, the, G, the GT86 is a, is a Japanese car, uh, and then you have this gorgeous classic legendary color british racing green i don't get it i don't understand the the joint venture here um i guess we could break it down to uh when scion was still around toyota was selling the um gt86 in the uk as well as in other countries um here in the united states we got the scion frs and we also had the subaru brz so you had these three versions of the same car one of which was predominantly sold in the uk fine okay but ah here's the thing though it looks killer in this green and it, but i think everything looks killer in this green whether it's a mclaren or a uh any any well, just any british car i can't think of a, a, a tvr um jaguars land rovers in fact this thing looks so beautiful with the gold wheels, the red brake calipers. Um, 
and the interior dark tan with a lot of black. And now, here, okay, so I know in a lot of other episodes I've said I hate black interiors. I do. I absolutely abhor them. But uh, if you look at this one, the reason why I don't dislike it is, A, there's red contrast stitching everywhere. Okay, so that's a step up. B, the seats are a baseball glove, saddle brown, tan, leather interior. And uh, there's silver accents everywhere. Um, and there's little touches here and there that are in, in red. And that at least helps break up the monotony of the all black. Um, still a lot of cheap plastic materials inside the GT86, but whatever. You're, you're paying for the fun and the performance of this car. And now apparently the color. This is not coming to the United States right now. Um, who knows? Maybe it will. Uh, right now it says it is only available in Japan. Whoa, wow. It's only available in Japan at this time. What the hell? That just confuses everything. Here I thought this was going to be available in the, in the UK. I guess not. So this is this is what I get for not reading uh, ahead and reading the full story before I tell you guys. So, yeah, there's that. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, um, I got a friend who wants to be on the show. His name is Anthony LaFada. If you're here in Michigan, I don't think he has anything to do with the LaFada cabinetry. Um, in fact, I have cabinets inside my house that were LaFada, but he insists that he's got nothing to do with those. That's fine. Whatever. They're still good cabinets. Um, but he's, and he's still a pretty cool kid. Actually, he's a photographer. He's a very good photographer. Um, he's got a pretty broad portfolio. Uh, you'll, if you've seen him on Instagram or Facebook, uh, he does photography of beautiful women and, um, he does cars occasionally. Whenever we go to auto shows, he has his camera and he takes some really good pictures of cars. So if you're into that kind of thing and you want your car to be photographed, maybe, you know, we'll get him on the show and see if he'd be willing to uh, take some pictures of people's cars. Not for free. He is a paid professional. Keep that in mind now. So anyways, uh, I have a little message I wanted to play from him. Um, so I'm going to play the message that he sent me. This is the first message I've gotten, so this is a big deal. He just he found my uh, podcast. Um uh, we were friends outside of this, but he found my podcast and he was like, yeah, I want to be on the show. Um, and I figured why not? Because one artist to another, I think he would have a lot of insight for the show. So uh, at the, let's see, 19 minute mark here, um, I'm going to play his, his little message real quick. And then I'm going to answer a couple of his questions and then we'll go from there. Can you talk about drawing characters? Um, let's see what else. Talk about different designs of cars. I always see you draw in blocky style cars and not really the uh, sleek ones, except for when you did that Camaro. I'd like to see you do a little bit more sleek designs. Talk about, um, I guess what goes into really putting something down on paper or in your case, you know, down on Photoshop what, you know, like what's the first step that you actually do in order to complete something? Um, what's your biggest influence when designing something? All right, guys, so we're back. Uh, that was my buddy, Anthony LaFada, like I said earlier. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get to li listen to the entire message, uh, I'll be honest. 
Um, I was trying to get this whole thing set up, but uh, basically I caught a couple key points that he wanted to bring up um, in a future episode. So like I said, I'm glad to have him on when, uh, when we do have him on the show. Uh, he brings a lot of insight, not only to the automotive industry, but also to um, comic books, um, movies, and photography. Like I said, he is a photographer. He's a very professional photographer, and I like his work. Um, but one of the things he mentioned that I uh, start talking about in general in the future is character design. And that's interesting because if you know me or if you know anything about me, um, uh, I actually started off in concept art for character design and video games, movies, etc. So <clears throat> it, it means a lot to me that there are people who are out there who, you know, share in the same interest and might be interested in listening to, some, uh, you know, what I have to say about it here on the show. One thing I will say is I have a vast collection of animation books, um, the art of books for movies and uh, cartoons, and then just kind of how to draw things. And then I take a lot of inspiration from a bunch of other books that I found. Uh, one of my favorite is by a guy named Brom and Brom Dark Works. Uh, D-A-R-K-W-E-R-K-S, is by far one of my favorite artists. Um, he's got a lot of really cool dark uh, dark stuff. Um, very similar to the guy, no, uh, H, what is it, H.H. Geiger? Uh, Geiger, anyways. I'm sure if, you, if I say the name Geiger, you should all know who I'm talking about. And that is the father of aliens and the whole mythos and... Uh, uh, stories behind Alien. Um, phenomenal, creepy, dark work, and I love it. So uh, I have all these books, and actually I would love to start talking about some of these. So if you guys have questions about you know, where to go for inspiration or where to go for how-to stuff, um, you know, to, you know, self-teaching type books, or just uh, some good books to, to have in your collection of things, I can help you with that can't really help you with character design in itself, but what I will promise that I will do is I'll start posting some pictures of kind of uh, quick sketches, stuff that I've done, stuff that some other people have done. In fact, uh, Anthony's done some himself, and he's pretty good. Uh, I like his Photoshop work, and uh, he's got a good eye for, for comic book art. Um, he's also a, a bit of a comic book nerd, and he really likes comic book movies. In fact, we went and saw Venom um, when it came out, uh, opening day actually. And <clears throat> it was interesting cause we both had our, our reasons for going and we both had our final say at the end of the movie. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I, I wasn't blown away by it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that it, not only that it exists, but that, you know, somebody actually, pushed for something like that to happen. Um, I think that means a lot to the fans who are, uh, who are big fans of Venom, Spider-Man and that whole canon and that whole series of stuff. Um, what I didn't like is the fact that though the uh, director stated that um, he was following the lethal protector storyline fairly closely, it, it, it fell short of that mark by quite a bit because Lethal Protector shows Venom as being a very um, convoluted individual. He's very torn, uh, and he's very 
but he's very protective, right? So, you know, they call it lethal protector for a reason. Um, he, he kills, he's very angry, kills people in very horrible ways, but he kills the right people. So it's that whole Punisher kind of idea where, you know, he, he's willing to walk that line and cross that line where other people are afraid to do it. Um, but then on the other side of things, he hates Spider-Man so much, but he loves his girlfriend, wife, fiance, whatever she was. And I don't think they really captured that. I think it was too comical and it was like they were trying to pull the energy from Deadpool and use that and it, and it didn't work. Deadpool's a comedian, hands down. He's a dark, twisted, sick comedian. Uh, Joker is... He's just very, uh, what is the word I'm looking Direct and calculating and twisted, sick, evil genius. Um, that happens to be so crazy that he comes off as like a clown-esque. Not, you know, not to mention his face looks like that of a clown. Um, and Venom is not any of those things. Venom is just beast that has a human host that is torn between his hatred for Spider-Man, um, his love of what he was doing for the bugle and his love for his girlfriend slash wife. So <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, but anyways, Anthony's going to have some good things to talk about when I bring him on the show this week. Uh, hopefully we can talk about, uh, what he wanted me to start doing, which is draw more, I think curvaceous cars, more sleek vehicles. Um, I, apparently I do a lot of boxy stuff and that's probably true. I've been on a Jeep kick for a while. And uh, again, it's because I like things with cargo capacity. Um, as much as I love a Mustang or a Camaro uh, or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, I, you know, a, I, I'll probably never own one. I can't afford one. And B, I just don't see the need in having one. Like I went with my buddy one time to go and buy an Alfa Romeo 4C and I just, I couldn't understand why he wanted that and not something like the Stelvio Quadrifoglio. Almost the same price, but at least with the Stelvio, you don't have to worry about the roads in Michigan being so horrible. Uh, I just watched Gretchen Whitmore on TV and she said we got like a D minus in our overall uh, evaluation of Michigan's infrastructure and roads. Um, and then we are like uh, top 10, the worst roads in the world or some crazy statistic. It, it was embarrassing, but it, it led to a good point that why the hell would you own a nice fancy car that sits low to the ground and is meant to go fast on Michigan roads? It just, yeah. There aren't that many roads here in Michigan that would allow you to open up like that. But at least if you had the Stelvio, you could, you know, go off-road a little bit or, you know, you could risk going over some bumps. You have tons of ground clearance. You don't have any ground clearance in an Alfa Romeo 4C. Let's, let's be honest. You don't even have that much ground clearance in the Alfa Romeo Giulia. Um, I don't even have any ground clearance, period, in my Fiat 500 apart. But, again, I don't really drive it around here too much. I drive it on the highway and I take it to car shows. So... And that's why I have a small crossover as my daily driver. 
Anyways, um, that's it for tonight, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, thank you to Anthony for sending me a message. Please go ahead and send me a message if you have something to say or you want to talk about the show. You want to be on the show. I'm going to put you on the show. I'm going to put Anthony on the show. As embarrassing it may, as it may be for him, um, <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm going to do. That's what these messages are for. I want, you know, I want to uh, be heard, which is why I have a podcast. But I also want others to have an opinion and and be heard as well on the show because this is this is about not only helping you guys as future designers or as people who are just trying to get some inspiration, but also just to get something off your chest. Maybe you have an idea about design in fashion or shoes or clothes or bikes or uh, comic book design. And there is that Charger Hellcat outside my house right now, revving his engine. I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but this microphone picks up everything. So anyways, thanks guys for tuning in. Um, we are at a little bit close to 30 minutes here. It's 9 o'clock p.m. in Detroit. It's cold as hell outside. So that's all I can really tell you. Be good to one another. Drive safe. Um, tonight's supposed to be icy again. And uh, get your sketchbook out. If you are staying home from school or if you are just, you know, not going to work like I kind of want to is just not go to work and maybe do another episode. Um, I'll just be drawing all day. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be drawing motorcycles um, this weekend and doing some more renders, which I will post up on sketchbook underscore audio on Instagram. Thanks for all those who liked my stuff and commented. Uh, I'm going to try to get back to you guys soon. That's all I got for today. Like I said, be good to one another, be safe, and we will see you next time.